But first, let us focus on events in Ukraine. Russia has claimed that the transfer of F-16 fighter jets to Ukraine would raise questions about NATO's role in the conflict. While on Friday, President Biden said that Washington would support delivery of the advanced fighter jets to Kyiv by allowing Western allies to supply them. Today, Russia's ambassador to the US responded, saying there is no infrastructure for the operation of the F-16s in Ukraine. And the needed number of pilots and maintenance personnel is not there either. He added that any Ukrainian strike on Crimea would be considered a strike on Russia. Well, he says it is important that the US be fully aware of the Russian response. Well, there was a lot of support for the F-16 plan at the meeting of EU foreign ministers in Brussels today with the Dutch foreign minister saying the training of Ukrainian pilots should start sooner rather than later. The decision we've now made is make sure we train pilots um, so that we are able, uh, if we would decide, if we would decide uh, to, to, to send fighter jets that they're already prepared. Uh, but that is a separate decision uh, that, we're, that we're not discussing today. Um, and again, I'm, I'm only going to repeat what I said before, uh, that for the Netherlands there are no taboos. Well, on the ground, there are conflicting claims about who controls the eastern city of Bakhmut. Ukraine's deputy defence minister says its troops are still advancing on the outskirts of the devastated city and have a small foothold inside Bakhmut itself. But in a video that was posted on Saturday, the founder of the Moscow-backed mercenary group Wagner claimed that his fighters, who have led the Russian assault on the city, were in full control. So what exactly do we know about what is happening on the ground and amid claim and counterclaim? What exactly can we believe? Well, today, BBC News has launched a new way to check and verify those claims. It is called BBC Verify, and it brings together forensic journalists and experts from across the organisation. They have been looking at the extensive defences being built by Russia as it prepares for a Ukrainian counterattack. With the details, here's our analysis editor, Ros Atkins. Ukraine is expected to launch an offensive soon, and BBC Verify has been looking at how Russia is bolstering its defences. Here's the front line with Russian-controlled territory marked in red. We've highlighted Bakhmut because this city has hosted some of the fiercest fighting of the war. And around Bakhmut, both sides have been using trenches. This is a Ukrainian soldier. And we know that trenches are part of fortifications that the Russians have built all the way along the front line. That process has been mapped by the open source analyst Brady Afrik, with each black dot here marking a new Russian fortification. And we can focus in on a couple of locations. First of all, Tokmak. It's a small but strategically important city. You can see it at the bottom of this satellite image. Ukrainian positions will be further to the north. And look what the Russians have done. They've put in a first defensive line, a second defensive line, and then a third defensive line around the city. We also know that in Ukrainian media there are reports that civilians are being removed from Tokmak by the Russians in order to further fortify the city. And we can understand those fortifications better by looking at this satellite image. Furthest from the front line are artillery positions, then you have a trench network for the soldiers, dragon's teeth, these are concrete obstacles placed to try and stop tanks in their tracks. Also targeting tanks are these large ditches dug out by vehicles such as this. And if we go back to this satellite image, you can see that an anti-tank ditch is the very first line of defense. So that's one location we've looked at. Here is another one that BBC Verify has examined. It's on the Crimean Peninsula, 
annexed by Russia in 2014. This image shows us a beach on the west coast of Crimea. You can see dragon's teeth running up the shore of the Black Sea. There's a bunker to the north. This trench here, well, that runs to around 15 miles, we estimate. There's also piles of wood for the Russians to reinforce the trenches they're digging. So this is ongoing work. But also highlight this fortification, which shows us an area where a tank or armored vehicle could be placed, firing out to sea. But it's far from clear if Ukraine has the capacity to attack Crimea from the sea. What is certain, though, is the scale of what Russia has built in terms of fortifications through the winter. It now waits to see if Ukraine attacks. That's our analysis editor, Ros Atkins. There. Let's speak now to retired Colonel Brennan Kearney, who spent more than 30 years in the US Marines and is now a military affairs analyst. Uh, Brendan, I'm hoping that you can hear us at this point. And let's talk about some of those preparations uh, by Russia. Um, and I'm interested in what that perhaps tells us about what might happen next in this war. Thanks, Ben. It's good to be with you. Uh, you know, Russia, the Russian defensive positions are prudent. They are trying to anticipate where the Ukrainians are going to attack. And your analysts have certainly highlighted four possible areas uh, that could be targets of uh, a Ukrainian uh, offense that we've been waiting for so anxiously here for months. Um, however, I would, I would postulate, uh, just throw out there that uh, I think the Ukrainians are gonna go ahead and again, at their time, place of their choosing, they're gonna attack somewhere differently. And uh, again, focus on what not the immediate offensive, it's what's their long term object objective. That will be key to where they're going to conduct their initial offensive actions. Yes. And when we talk about Mahmoud, um, there's a lot of people will suggest that the city has very little strategic relevance, strategic importance or value for Moscow. But if it was to capture it, it would be a symbolic win. Is that how you see it? Uh, yes, I do completely agree with you. It'll be a symbolic win. Uh, and two days after they declare a victory in Bakhmut, uh, we will have moved on. The Ukrainians will certainly have moved on and the Russians will be forgetting about it because uh, the Ukrainians are going to put them. They have them right now at the horns of a uh, military dilemma. Uh, the Russians uh, have got to defend a very, very long a uh, piece of terrain there in uh, in eastern Ukraine. And the Ukrainians, uh, again, are going to pick a place, they're going to pick the time, and they're going to launch an offense. And the Russians cannot be comfortable with trying to anticipate where that's going to take place. Russia is trying, though, is it not, to control a bigger swathe of the east of the country, the Donetsk region. Um, and this Bakhmut being just one of four key areas that it would like to control, particularly annexing down a large proportion of the east of the country. And therefore, a significant win here could help it in that aim, could it not? Yes, it could. Uh, but again, it's a significant win in the eyes of the beholder. To the Russians, it's important. Uh, to the Ukrainians, they have used Bakhmut as a meat grinder. They have torn up uh, Russian forces here for the last months with catastrophic casualties. And certainly the Ukrainians have lost an awful lot of their own forces there too. But it really is to the Ukrainian advantage that the Russians have wasted so many resources there on an area that is tactically questionable. Uh, certainly, uh, if it's tactically questionable, it, it poses no strategic value whatsoever. So, uh, again, I'd, 
you know, the Russians have wasted resources in that offensive to garner something that is just not going to help them in the long run. Yeah, as you said, uh, U.S. estimates suggest 20,000 Russian soldiers killed there, another 80,000 wounded, describing it as a relentless, costly tactic of sending waves of men there. Um, of course, the aim is to try to erode Kyiv's resistance, but if anything, it seems to have done the opposite. Exactly. And uh, again, you know, morale, uh, when you're in the defense, uh, when you've got you've everything's been happening in your favor and you have to go in the defense like the Ukrainians have had to do uh, around Bakhmut is uh, that's the ideal situation for any military organization that has got high morale. They can survive that. The Russians have poor morale, awful morale, and they are now in defensive posture awaiting this Ukrainian offensive action. And this has just got to be wearing and tearing on their troops. Um, logistically, it's a hell of a challenge for them. So uh, th this war is very much in Ukrainian hands right now. Could change, uh, but quite frankly, I, I kind of doubt it. And what do you make of that claim by the head of Russia's Wagner mercenary group? They say they will hand over the city to, uh, to Russian forces on June the 1st. Um, and in some respects, it seems like there are three players in this war. There is Russia itself, there's a Russian Wagner mercenary group, and there are Ukrainian forces, and they all seem to have different aims and objectives. Uh, you're exactly right. Uh, they all do have different uh, claims and objectives. I can tell you that in, in military operations, one of the hardest things that you can do is what's called the relief in place. And that's where you have a plan and you go ahead and you're taking forces off uh, your offensive or defensive uh, lines and you have friendly forces coming in behind you. Well, in this particular case, the Wagner Group and the Russian military are not on friendly terms. I think that's clear from open source reporting over the last months. To conduct the relief in pl place under pressure where the Ukrainians are fighting is probably one of the most difficult uh, military operations that can be conducted. And if it's conducted by units that are familiar with each other, that know each other, uh, that respect each other, you can pull it off. Where it's this type of situation, where it's the Wagner group who's at odds with uh, the Russian military, uh, good luck. Uh, this would be interesting to watch. We've talked about what a victory um, in Bakhmud would mean for Russia. I wonder what a loss of Bakhmut would mean for Ukraine in terms of morale and the motivation of troops who have up until now been able in some part to be able to defend it. You know, I, I see very little or no impact, to be honest with you. I see them having conducted a heroic uh, and brilliant defense of Bakhmut against uh, very, very significant um, attacks by the Russian military, uh, albeit by the Wagner group. Um, and again, they can walk out of this with pride. It's, it simplifies in many respects their tactical situation because now they can go ahead and concentrate on the offensive operations that they have been preparing for all along while this, uh, while this effort has been going on in Bakhmut. I'm, I'm really grateful for your insight uh, and for being on the programme with us tonight. Returnal, uh, retired Colonel Brendan Kearney there, thank you very much. Uh, it's fascinating Thanks, to ben. talk to you.